All right, so uh, gathering for another cutting room floor, um, leaning into Genesis 18, the Lord and then three visitors come to Abraham's door. He feeds them lunch. And there's been a lot of conversation over the years about who these visitors are. Mm -hmm. And we thought maybe we'd take a moment just to kind of lean in there because there's a lot of theories and totally, yeah. a lot of assumptions and a lot of confusion. Yeah. So make it clear for us. <laughs> we'll, we'll attempt to. I think it'd be helpful maybe to just read the kind of the first four or five yeah, verses. This is of Genesis 18 kind of get our bearings here. And verse one says this, and the Lord appeared to him, that's Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He, that's Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. So that's the three mystery men we're going to be talking about. When Abraham saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. Now, kind of just setting the stage there, there's a couple things happening there in that passage that I think maybe on a first reading, maybe people might pass over. Yeah, you just kind of get there. Okay, so there's some bread coming out. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you know, Abraham's having lunch with yeah. some visitors. And yeah, it's like, where's oh, the action? Totally, yeah. So what, what's kind of happening here? Um, and I thought maybe to start, just to kind of get our bearings, there's a few kind of key observations that I think okay. I'd like to point out. Um, and the first one is what I just call like the, the transition between the singular and the plural okay. between who Abraham is talking to. Yeah. Now, so what I mean by this is that, in one, in, for example, in verse 1, mm -hmm. you have the Lord that one being yep. appeared to Abraham singular. Okay. Um, and then in the very next verse, Abraham lifts his eyes and there's three. Okay. There's three men that appeared. So it's kind of like there's one and there's three. Yeah. What do Which we do one with is that? it? Yeah. Totally. And so that's just one example and I have more in the notes, but as you read through Genesis 18, that just kind of interchange between the Lord and the three and the yeah. Lord and this, like the plurality yeah. within like the descriptions, it just interchanges back and forth. That's and good. so you might go, what's happening there? Yeah. Um, but I just want to point that out as an observation yeah. as part of the text. And I think and there's probably an intentional way the text is written. Totally. Yes. Because okay. I think we're going to get to this, but I think this text is trying to, among other things, communicate something about the nature yeah. Of, of cool. the God of the Bible. We'll get there. What's yeah. point two? So point two would be to notice that in verse one, that the text is explicit, that this is the one that says that the Lord appeared to, to Abraham. Yeah. That's the, what, you know, the, the personal name for God, Yahweh. Okay. So it's not like a local king. Totally. Yes. He's saying, oh, master, Lord. Yes. Yeah. So this is Yahweh. And so just as you're reading your English Bible, every time Lord is in all caps, that's the translator's way of telling you, this is the personal name of God. Okay. Yahweh, the God of Israel yeah. is appearing. Now, contrasting with that, kind of the third point is that it's kind of unclear. Does Abraham at this point know that Yahweh is appearing yeah, to him? Because the narrator says the Lord appeared. Yes. And we as readers are given that information. Yeah, but in we don't one. necessarily know how Abraham sees the situation. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a hint at that because in verse three, Abraham talks back to this character and uses the word Lord, but it's not in all caps in your okay. English Bible. So when you read it in the English Bible, you might think it's the same, but actually it's a different word. It's a different word. Yeah. And you can kind of see that because it's hopefully lowercase or capital yeah. L O R D. And just like the generic word for like master or kind of ruler, yeah. if you will. Not necessarily the personal name yeah. for God. So there's a little bit of ambiguity. Does Abraham know who he's okay. actually talking with? At least in the beginning. 
Um, kind of the fourth thing is that we kind of touched on this a little bit is that in verse one, it does say Yahweh. We talked about that, but it says Yahweh appears to Abraham. That word appear, I just want to highlight yeah. because I think it's important to recognize that whatever's happening here, this isn't, I don't think like a vision or a dream. Hmm. There's like a tangible embodied presence of Yahweh, the God of okay. Israel coming to Abraham. And yeah. I think evidence of that, they have a meal together. Yeah. They, they sit down, they have a f- meal, they wash feet. I, yeah. I seem to recall. Yeah. Totally. So there's like physical embodied things happening. Yes. Totally. And so that kind of connects with Yahweh in particular. Hmm. And then concerning like these three men, there's this also this a little bit of ambiguity. Are we talking about men, how we might think of men? Or are we also talking about angels? Because as you Hmm. read on in chapter 18 and into 19, kind of that similar interchange I was talking about between the singular and the plural, a similar thing happens in how the narrator describes these angels slash men. And almost seamlessly between the two, you know, it'll say that, you know, these visitors were men. And then by the beginning of chapter 19, it's these angels are being sent off. And so what are we to make of that? Angels, men. And I think it's it's important to just recognize that, again, there's a little bit of ambiguity there. And I don't think that's like a mistake. There's something intentional about that. Um, And I would say kind of in addition to that, kind of, for those kind of you know read, reading through this, and every time we see the word angel yeah. appear in there's scripture, there's complexity. There there's in complexity Hebrew. even in yeah. that word. About half the time, that word is translated as simply messenger, yeah. and about half the time, it's translated as as angel. Yeah, and it's the same Hebrew word can yeah. apply to both. Yeah, a being that is invisible that sort of has is a different animal than us. Totally, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, and then just kind of to cap it off, as far as observations go. I think just to make it explicitly clear that this is out of those three, at the very least, one of them very clearly is Yahweh, the God of Israel, because by the end of verse 22, we're told that two of these figures depart to go to Sodom. And that's kind of what you touched on, you know, this past Sunday, two of these figures go to Sodom. Mm -hmm. And then in verse 22 of chapter 18, it says, Abraham stood still before Yahweh or before the the Lord. Yeah. And so again, very clearly, at the very least, we can say Yahweh, the God of Israel, is at least one of these yeah. these three. And yet they can separate. And then they can separate, yeah. And so that's where I want to dive into some of like the interpretive possibilities. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that, right? So you brought up these different ways of reading the text, paying attention to the plurality, the sort of, I don't know, the seemingly different characters, yeah. how they're understood, potentially how they're understood by Abraham. So how have scholars, theologians, smart people thought about this? Totally, yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting kind of looking at, like, the history of interpretation of this all the way back to really before the time of Jesus, a lot of Jewish thinkers, and into the early church, the church fathers. This story, because of, you know, some of the ambiguity surrounding it, created a lot of not speculation, but I think a lot of dialogue and yeah. discussion as to what exactly. So we're not alone. We're not alone. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we have you know a lot of like resources and tradition that we can, yeah. you know, glean from. Yeah, and good. so just to put it very simply, I think there's two predominant sort of interpretive views okay. as to who these three are. Christian or Jewish or. Uh, at this point, Christian. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think just kind of very briefly, one of the pr- prominent Jewish views is that these are three just regular angels, Michael, Gabriel, mm. and Raphael, representative of Yahweh. Okay. Um, and so that's, there's a whole kind of whole rabbit different hole rabbit trail there. with that, um, particularly more in like the Christian okay. tradition, yeah, yeah. there's two prominent sort of ways of thinking about this. The first one I'll just simply call the Christ view. And this okay. basically is, is saying kind of based off of some of Jesus's words in John chapter eight, where Jesus says before Abraham was, I am, I am yeah. and kind of Jesus kind of self-declaration that he yeah. existed, 
you know, before Abraham did. Yeah. Kind of building off people of think that. He's crazy. Yeah, yeah, totally, right? <laughs> kind of building off of that, the view would basically say that Genesis 18 refers to this this being, in particular Yahweh here, as the incarnate Son of God, you know, before you know Jesus mm. in the New Testament. Um, and then the the two others would more or less be kind of messengers yeah. or angels on behalf of yeah. the pre the pre incarnate yeah. you know son of God. Yeah, the pre incarnate son of God, who in this moment seems to look incarnate. Yes, in front of Abraham because he washes his feet, he eats food. He doesn't seem to think that this is a different being, right? Totally. Three men. So it's this really interesting, interesting, almost prefiguring or echoing back of what happens in the New Testament, totally. potentially. Exactly, yeah. And so there's a whole you know line of, of thinkers from, you know, some of these names may or may not be familiar, Justin Martyr, Tertullian, Clement, all these yeah. early church fathers. early, like two, three hundred. Totally, yeah. So yeah. this is very, you know, more or less recent, you know, as yeah. far as the time of Jesus is concerned, kind of really looking at this story of Genesis 18 and seeing in this story yeah. kind of a foreshadowing of the person of Jesus in particular. So, okay. So that's one Christ view. What's the other one? Yeah. So the second one, more or less than if the first one's seeing Jesus pre-incarnate, the, the second one more or less would be the, what I would call the Trinitarian view okay. where these three figures are in some way, shape or form representative of the Trinity. Now, what I think is very interesting is that kind of looking at um, an early church father origin, he talked about how for him, it was interesting to notice that Abraham rushes to welcome three the three men, mm-hmm. but then kind of as you read the text, he worships one, he falls down in front of one. And so that's kind of what led him to think that perhaps there's a Trinitarian, you know, sort of echo or foreshadowing mm. uh, here, which I think kind of, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole of church history, especially yeah. in the early church, kind of solidifying, you know, their view of the Trinity and yeah, the yeah. incarnation was a very big deal yeah. at this time. It takes time. a bit. It, it takes, you know, you know, a number of centuries really yeah. to kind of solidify, you know, some of that. Um, but I think it's just really interesting because thinking about these three men, if you will, kind of how some of the early church fathers mm. saw this as a prefiguring of the Trinity, where kind of getting back to what I was talking about on the observational level, you have the text interchanging between the singular Lord and the three men. And it's just this back and forth yeah. where, you know, on a first glance, when I think, oh, there's like something fishy going on here. Mm-hmm. But perhaps actually the text is, at least in this view, yeah, cueing us into something. Exactly. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, we were talking about the Jewish view a minute ago and right there's this profound focus on the oneness mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you can feel a little whiplash when you get to the New Testament. And you're like, wait, three in one. Yeah. And yet it feels like some of that complexity is foreshadowed here. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is important because one of the, you know, the Jewish prayers that the Jewish people would have more or less prayed almost yeah. every day is the great Shema. Yeah, Shema is, you know, yeah, the yeah. Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Yeah. And so the, this to be, you know, the kind of the technical term a monotheistic faith, right? Mm-hmm. So worshiping only one God, mono. Yeah. That's what the Jewish tradition and the, really the Christian tradition both adhere to. Yeah. But sometimes there's this caricature that kind of portrays kind of the Christian early church and Christian theologians as superimposing back onto the mm-hmm. biblical text, this view of both like the divinity of Jesus yeah. and this view of the, the, the triunity, yeah. the triune nature of God. the complexity, the diversity within the unity of God. Totally, exactly. Yeah. And kind of the argument that I would kind of want to put forward is that early on in the first pages of the scripture in, in Genesis is that we're introduced to, I think intentionally, a complex portrait of God. I mean, complex in the sense of where you have one God, yeah. but this God is described in ways where 
it's not like a simple unified thing. It's like, oh, there's a complexity there. Yeah. There's a diversity. There's a nuance. A nuance there's... there of, of this God being yeah. one, yet more than one. Yeah. And so that way the biblical narrators can talk about this God as singular Yahweh appears and at the same time, it's three men yeah, yeah. as well. Wow. You kind of get into a little bit of a rabbit hole, but just to touch on this a little bit, the figure of the angel of the Lord and Yahweh. Another example yeah, of this yeah. is later on, especially in Genesis 22, we'll get to this you know, in a couple of weeks, that that figure kind of gets back and forth yeah. together. And is this one figure, two different figures? And I think the narrator would say, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's both in a sense. So in some ways, what you're saying is these two interpretations almost say like, oh, actually there's inklings or foreshadowings of both the incarnation mm -hmm. and the Trinity totally. in the early chapters in of Genesis. The, totally, yes. And we might not necessarily like explicitly say with 100% certainty, like this for sure is the Trinity yeah. in Genesis 18. I think what I'm trying to nuance and say is that we have like in seed form, essentially, mm -hmm. kind of the mental shelf space so that when Paul and the later New Testament writers come along, yeah. you know, because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of their encounter with him, they look at the Old Testament scriptures as Jesus taught them to do. And they're do. like, oh, this makes sense This makes now. sense now in light of yeah, their encounter good. with the risen Jesus. Yeah, that's good. So, I mean, there's a lot there for yeah. sure, a lot more we can dive into. But I think that gives us at least some sense of when we look at Genesis, we look at these scriptures, like there's often in the complexity, there's often something really important totally. to be found. Yes. That sometimes when we just skip over it and we're like, oh, I don't get it. We yeah. actually miss out on some of the beauty and elegance yeah. of these stories yeah, yeah. that really explain something totally. about Jesus and about his kingdom and the nature of God. Yeah, yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Thanks, cool. man. Yep.